0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone, Carm Capriotto, Remarkable Results Radio, another Town Hall Academy. Good to have you here. You know, we are the premier automotive aftermarket service podcast, and uh, we talk about business success, leadership, and there isn't anyone that we've probably not had on that has contributed something great to you personally for your personal success and or for your business. Good to have you here. We're going to talk today about language and terminology, changes or shifts in the things that we do and we say, not only with our people, but to our customers. We did this way back in 2020. Chris Cloutier, who is with us, was on with Bob Greenwood, who... Passed way unfortunately too soon. And we really had a blast with that one. And it was Bob's passion. So I decided that not necessarily to honor Bob, but yes, to honor Bob and to come back and say, you know, we're doing and saying things that probably could use some polish, if that's the right word. Better get it right. So thank you for being here. Appreciate that. I want to talk about our great sponsors of the Town Hall Academy. You know, it amazes me how much five-star reviews make or break a shop. Get more customers falling in love with you when you offer them complete convenience and transparency with the industry's leading shop management system on the web at getshopware.com. And did you clean the fuel tank the last time you replaced a fuel pump? Well, contamination buildup in the tank not only impacts the vehicle's performance, but it can also damage the fuel pump. Clean the fuel tank in five minutes with Delphi Technologies Fuel Tank Cleaning tool. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. Now look at, pay attention. There could be a quiz at the end. The changing mindset that's going on in our great business life. I think it's important. We're talking about stuff that we haven't talked about ever. EVs, e-fuels. We're talking about neat new software that Chris is making and so many other trends that I think it's important that we help with our mindset. And basically, I think change starts in the mindset of the owner who needs to lead these kinds of changes. So if you get really excited about the things we're talking about, write them down and bring them to your people. And one of the big changes, I think we talked about back in 2022, was being the CEO, the chief executive officer of the business, not just a shop owner. With me is Chris Cloutier, Golden Rule Auto Care and the CEO of Autoflow.com. Hey, Chris. How are you, Carm? Man, glad to be on this one again. The follow-up for the Me and Bob show.
1: I went and listened to it just to remind myself of the great banter and back and forth. And of course, we miss Bob. So
0: glad to be on this one with this new panel with Sean and John. Thank you so much. I, I wouldn't have done it without you, man. Sean Gilfillin, CEO, Automotive Magic, Kenville, New Jersey.
1: Yeah,
2: thanks for having me, uh, Carm. I'm really excited to uh, discuss some of the things we've been even doing at our shop and just the whole change in terminology and language. It really kind of fits where we are right now.
0: Perfect, Sean. You know, a lot of people that come on the show, they sit in their office and behind them is like a bookshelf of little knickknacks and stuff. So I really appreciate you putting that big knickknack up behind you. You got it. No problem. So if you're not watching on YouTube (laughs) on the video version of this, please go so you can see what I'm talking about. John Klusterman is here, Director of Operations Westside Auto Group in Zealand, Michigan again. Hello, John.
3: Carm, how are you? Glad to be on again.
0: Hey, thank you. You've been a great contributor of Late, so I appreciate that. Chris... A language change could be that we call everybody who works for us rock stars. Is it possible that the right word to be using?
1: Yeah, so this is a great one. And Carm, you said something at the beginning, which I think is the focus, which is the mindset. The way that we think about the way we approach our employees, the way we approach our wives, our friends, our daughters, our sons, our kids, our friends, right? It's all about mindset and the language we use. And if you get around these personalities, these E or types, the negative, you tend to project a negative connotation to everybody else. So yes, mindset sets the language that you use, the positive language we need to use. And Rockstar was one of those ones that, Carm, I see everybody's a rock star now. And I actually was a rock star or almost was a rock star when I was younger. Let me tell you this, behind the scenes of what was going on on the stage were not the things that you want your kids doing. And that's what people are like, oh, my kid's a rock star. I'm like... No, nah, I'm sorry. I don't want my kids to be rock stars. I want them to be educated. I want them to be smart, funny, and pretty. And that's daddy's rules, not rock stars. So when we talk about our employees, are they rock stars? Are they just, let's go and say, you know what, John? That was a great diagnostic report that you, the write-up. I love the detail. The customer is going to really understand that. Let's take the rock star and go to the example. And let's tell them why they really are good at what they do. And stop using this term because it misses. Misused. It's Karma I'm say it. Rockstar was about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There was nothing good about it. Let's stop
0: that. Okay. I'm disappointed because I think <laughs>
1: you're a rock star, Chris. But I'm married now. I'm I'm a good man of faith. Like God
0: has changed my life. I am no longer a rock star. I can get on and do some karaoke now and then. I've seen him do karaoke. He knows the words by heart. He needs no screen, and he loves to jump around on stage. I would have loved to have seen you back in the day. Yeah, there's probably YouTube videos floating around somewhere, Carm. Of then and now, present and past, they're they're
1: there. So yes, it was a time when I was rock star. Not anymore. I think I'm irresponsible. Going back to what Bon Greenwood said, a CEO, I'm not a shop owner, which that was my point. Like, let's not be shop owners. Let's be business owners. Let's think at a level that is above this simple idea. And I really like what Bob said because he said, no, we're CEOs and we need to think like CEOs, which is strategic. The way we run our businesses, the way we approach our people and the way we approach our marketing, our dollars, everything, dollars and cents. And once again, love that with Bob because Bob just had some great great insight in the CEO versus shop owner.
0: I think what we'll do is we'll put the, a link in the show notes to that episode 571 in there so that people can quickly get to it. John, one of the big things that Bob covered back in the day, he was so passionate about not calling customers customers, but calling them clients. And I think you agree with that.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that the idea of switching to the word client, it brings more of a professional aptitude to your business overall. Your customer is, it just feels much less intimate when you're talking about the relationship that you're trying to build with the client as far as coming into your business and communicating within your team in regards to the type of verbiage, the type of terminology that you're using as well. When you reference them as a client, it changes their whole mentality, your entire team's mentality, and and as to who's walking in the doors of your repair facility. And I think that that verbiage raises the level of professionalism that you carry inside of your organization as a whole.
0: I agree with you. But one of the things that Bob said about that is that you don't sell clients, you counsel them. And boy, that just landed. I and mean, if you want a reason to change the terminology, just think, why is somebody coming there? Yes, they to get their car fixed, but man, they need counseling. Sometimes they're very aggravated, but they don't know what's wrong. They may get a bill that's four figures wide and they need to understand why. Counsel them. Just like an attorney would. Hey, listen, here's your options. That's what you have to do. And Carm, I like the idea of a client being somebody that you're, you're
1: attached to over a long term period. A customer is a one time. See you later right? They're the one and done. And to agree with John, like I the idea of having a client that's going to last. And then like Bob said, to counsel them, to advise them. I know I try to put advice in and he ups up, no, we counsel them. We don't advise them. So I like that idea.
0: Clients long-term customers short-term. So Sean, to be honest with you, you're here because you love to talk about these kind of languages, to be honest with you. You know, one of
2: those things when you really start to understand the science behind a language, I mean, I've definitely dipped into some books and whatnot uh, over the years, but really paying attention to the way that your staff themselves is communicating. With your your clients customers, I totally agree with the client thing. It raises that level of not only value, but the value that they feel in themselves about how you're going to treat them. You're advising them or consulting them on what their vehicle needs are. You're not selling them anything. Back to the service writer, service advisor, service consultant. So many different terms. Rock stars, or we call them magicians in our shop. Right, it kind of goes with the with the theme of automotive magic. But you know, we got wizards in the back, which are our ATX. You know, right on down the line. So it's kind of making it something fun that is exciting for the staff to enjoy being a part
0: of. I got to talk about this. Matt Fonzo and I did an episode on The Bear, which was all about the chefing thing, the two years worth of it. It's on Hulu. If you haven't seen it, please go. I took pages of notes about how it parallels our industry. And the thing that I was searching for was a word because in a high-end kitchen, in a high-end restaurant, each other is called chef out of respect for what they know and do. I think you just nailed it. Because I says, what do we call our, A-techs. We should start calling them wizards.
2: (laughs) Right? All the stuff they got to (laughs) know. Well, you think about it. They're plumbers. They're electricians, right? They're mechanics. They're HVAC technicians. So you got to got the whole world of the service industry. We're all of it.
0: Yeah. We're plumbers and electricians and HVAC people. And we are. Lab coat, give me the microscope, get out of my way. That's
2: right. One of those things that always drove me nuts whenever I hear it When somebody's speaking to me or there's communication going on and that feeling of need to say, oh, to tell you the truth or to be honest with you right up front, it's like my expectation is you'd be telling me the truth anyway. Like, why you got to tell me first? Kind of like one of those things that's almost, I would say it goes across the phone unconsciously and lands in in any other person's ear and they might not even know why they feel uneasy with the communication going on, but it's like, wait a minute, you normally tell me the truth or not? And that's one of the things like, uh, I I can think back to an advisor that we had quite a few years back. That was something when I heard that come out of his mouth, I'd throw a pen at the wall. be like, what are you doing? We've talked about this, but it sometimes becomes a habit for people. And you really got to be, I think, reviewing phone calls with your advisors and people that are communicating, setting the appointments and really drilling them on what does it sound like when you listen to yourself until you can actually confront that and be with it. I mean, there's a science of language and how it communicates and lands on the other side. And we're all here to take care of people. So when you can have it feel like that on the other end of the phone, unconsciously or over the counter, people walk out the door, they really feel like they got taken care of and were advised or consulted in the great way with their vehicle needs. So it's pretty cool stuff.
0: Guys, let's jump into uh, technician versus mechanic. I was at a conference in San Diego. Uh, Bob Cooper had a whole bunch of off-the-street consumers in, asked them, oh, a dozen to 15 questions, and uh, they went around the room, the mechanic or technician, what do you know the person who services your car as? And every one of them said mechanic. And we are working so hard building what we believe is that professionalism inside of our businesses to the word technician. I don't think... I think our customer understands that. Your opinions.
1: I got an opinion on it. As we continue to get further further into technology and as cars get more and more complicated and as we understand that cars are now computers You're engineers, right? An engineer is closer to the word technician than is a mechanic. So I think we are breeding a a new society, a new upbringing of the next level, and that's a technician. And I think we need to start using that because it does add a, let's get a different connotation, the word mechanic. Mechanic, I think, a guy who's a parts changer. I think somebody who can take something off and put something on, as Sean just alluded to, even now, like the HV, I mean, plumber, HVAC, all these things, as well as the new stuff coming all of the recalibrations, all the flashing of the computers. It is now really a technician's job more than ever, more than it's ever been. And it's going to continue to go down that path, Carm. And I believe that our younger generation, if once again, we're talking about semantics, we're talking about words, wouldn't you rather be called a technician than a mechanic?
2: 100%. I also know when you really start to get into, like you said, the flashing, the IT side of things was never a thing back in the day. So really the amount of education I think it's one of the things that's missing industry wide. You know, as we all gather to get to get our worth out of uh, the industry, when a plumber comes in and changes a, a fitting with a pro press in 15 minutes and it's 350 bucks, and you're like, "What the hell?" Like, you should see what I did at work today. You know? It's like, <laughs> come on. So, I definitely think that also goes along with raising, you know, the industry standard of what we're worth and pay our technicians more
3: money as the years go on. Really leveling this up as a whole is going to be huge.
0: John, your opinion.
3: The technician aspect of it speaks into the technology that's being added into it. And I think down the road, there's going to be a new phrase that we use when referencing the people that are working on cars as the industry continues to change, as that more of it of the electrical stuff comes into it. And the mechanical only aspect of the industry is gone. There's technology, it's a hybrid technology. There's way more into this than just replacing parts to Chris's point. So I think that down the road. I think that we'll be looking back and saying technician is an old term and we need to have a new one because this is the technology or or the industry has changed so far. So it's a stepping stone into bringing that aspect of a career into this market.
0: If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart, and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX, my friends, at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customers vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles, and safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Let's stop for a moment and think about the ABC thing that we kind of use, and we'll say my A tech, my B tech, my C tech. And on the podcast in the past, we have had these kinds of dialogues that says you could be a great mechanical A and a great diagnostic. But as someone is apprenticing up to be a great diagnostician, how do you label them? You label them a C when they're really a B diag person. So I think we get a little too bent up or minimally focused on what we're saying. And I think it affects how we delegate work and how our people appreciate working with us and for us
2: i think really bringing those uh, the young guys in more of as uh, an apprentice right and or a partner with your technicians that's training them. Teaming them up seems to be really workable for us, having them kind of oversee each other and whatever they can do to boost efficiency as a team. And it really kind of gels together or kind of concretes that sense of teamwork you really want in your culture. When you get people to work well together and you can almost anticipate the needs where a guy pulls the thing in and they're both setting the lift up at the same time and they got the, now that we don't have air hoses all over the shop with all the electronic uh, power tools pulling the wheels off at the same time and really it has helped move Efficiency through the shop as well, and they feel. And I think Chris, you just said something earlier about making sure they know they did a good job and focusing on the mindset and the positive words you state, as opposed to "Hey, you didn't do that right." Because I mean, not for nothing, that's how I learned at one of the first couple jobs I was at. It was like beat me down and make sure I was punished for what I didn't do right and yelling and all that. It's like, oh man, I'm going to find another job. So really, keeping I think that upbeat tone and the positively stated uh, affirmations to your team, it's it's huge. What a game changer.
0: It's always good to see a shop owner, a CEO have gone through beat the hell all those years ago and then comes back and says, I'm never going to do it like that. And then you run a great company with a great team. Let's speak of team. Imagine standing in front of your six or seven group and say, well, you're all my employees. Or should you say. We're all in the team together. We're team members. John, what's your opinion of that?
3: The employee term is something that I cringe hearing through our organization. And going back to the A-level or B-level, C-level guys, I mean, you hear an advisor talking on the phone and and they're saying my A-tech or my B-tech, nobody cares who that that technician is? If that car has to come back to your shop, it's going back to in our position, it's going back to Westside. And at that point, we become a team pretty quickly. When there's problems in the shop or, or something that needs to be taken care of, there's no individual at that point. So to pigeonhole and go into an individual or in or talk about an employee or an A or B level or C level guy. At the end of the day, we're all walking into the same building. We're all there for the same reasons and. That doesn't dictate employee, owner, or CEO, or whatever direct report. It is a team game, and you're all pushing for the same goals at the end of the day. So,
1: Carm, I'm going to say I love the term teammate, but when I'm angry at them, they're definitely employees. <laughs> I just throw that out there. Hey, thank you. That's sometimes even kids. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> children. I'm not going to argue with that at all, Sean. It's a mindset. And maybe my mindset in a negative sense goes there versus, yeah, it's my teammate. I'm like, they might not be my teammate for very long if they continue this action that they're doing. There's people listening, Chris. Got the reality
0: check from you right there.
3: (laughs) Teams make cuts too. You're
2: absolutely right. I think the key though is actually when you notice that you're being that way with somebody, You're probably at the point now where you really check yourself real quick and be like, whoop, It's I've definitely burned a couple of good employees through the door by not getting off it for myself. And I think that's another important factor to just even quickly throw on the table is when you're pissed off or aggravated about something that went on before you just go blowing up I had a bad temper most of my life and I've got real good control of it, uh, you know, past 10 years. Obviously being a business owner helps with that. Not to mention having an ex-wife that also helps a bit with that uh, level of emotional intelligence and not snapping back. All of us have been through stuff in life, but really catching yourself and not letting loose on, on your employees and your team at the wrong time. It's, a, it's important to keep in mind and hard to do sometimes.
0: You know, I keep thinking of doing a podcast on your other self. So tell me <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's really going on up there. <laughs> I usually just blurt it out. So if something falls out, you're more than welcome to take it uh, out of the... You know. uh,
0: being on that, <laughs> Carm,
1: I have the, the great mustard incident at my shop and, and we'll have to save it for another uh, podcast because it was definitely one of my lesser glorious moments in the shop. Uh, so I
0: can relate, Sean we all have a few skeletons I'm sure and we all have people that know us in a different light from years ago that uh, your tendencies weren't necessarily where they are today because you read a few books you discovered it the hard way and you became a much better I don't want to say the word leader it's overused but a much better person to your family to your life to your people around you wow
3: I was gonna say we call that passion <laughs> when it's in terms of our own incidents <laughs> when somebody else has an issue that's not not the case but when we do it it's passion for what we do.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that excuse. I love that.
3: That's
2: yeah, good. I appreciate I'm
0: using the that. There. Yes.
3: <laughs> Very
0: passionate. <laughs> Couldn't hold my passion back. You don't understand. <laughs> Thinking about the language changes that we're talking about openly that we know we're trying to ingrain on our industry, I think about one of the most important ways to work on implementing it in the company is through those phone calls you listen to from your service advisors and being able to catch, like you said, but honestly, let me tell you the truth for the first time ever, those kinds of languages that we're using. And if we can get it to start at the counter, I mean, as the CEO, you could use those, but you're not there on the line in front of the world as often as a service advisor would be in their communication forward, backward and out to the client that may be one of the greatest ways to trap it
2: 100 i think you know one of the biggest things is asking your people that are on the phones if you uh either felt like something went like mind-blowingly awesome with a customer and you feel like That guy's never been serviced like that before. You left somebody really feeling good. Note down who it was, what time the call was. Let's go back and review it and really pick out the gold nuggets that you may have not even realized in your communication that worked. Same thing if you have an issue where it just doesn't feel like you're getting across or somebody might not be listening. And and I just said it right there, right? Tell you the truth. A lot of people don't listen. And that's why that one's like, holy cow. Yeah. Right there in the moment. It makes a huge difference when you can go back and analyze your own... Personal communication with somebody else really turns you into more of an active listener. You tend to hear a lot more behind the scenes or sometimes we're not listening to the person on the other end of the phone because we're already up in our heads with thoughts spinning around about what are they going to say next? Or how am I going to shift this over if there's an in order to get something over here where I'm at? It's not really about being out there with the customer and client and uh, being spot on with your communication. And I think Listening we to, is the most important part.
1: We have to be patient with that too, Carm. Right. We and we say this, that we hire for personality and then we train for the job. And all of us want to do that best we can. Sometimes you hire personalities and it takes time. I like to hire young people. I like to hire guys and gals that are 18, 19, 20 years old. And sometimes you're, you have to be patient with them. And it's not just one time correction. It's multiple corrections directions over multiple months over multiple years but it's pouring into these people to make sure that they understand that just the simple fact of smiling when you're talking makes a difference in the tone that you use but for a lot of people that are young that may or may not have had a good education when they're in high school because depends on the teachers that they were at and I would just say patience is one of those things that I think this industry needs especially as we get more young people and here I am sounding like a grumpy old man get those damn kids off my yard you know type thing and I'm not saying that even though it's coming across that I'm I'm saying let's give these young people grace and patience and spend the time. Like Sean says, I love the phone reviews. It's even at the counter. Do you realize what you said there? Because maybe they don't. Maybe that's just the way they are. And once again, some of the young guys, I don't want to point them out, but sometimes we just have to, we have to put up those bumper rails and continuously remind them of the positive attitude and the, the choice of words that they use with customers, probing, making sure you're using that introduction, make sure you're catching their name. All the things that we preach on, we just need to make sure it's practiced often and we have the patience with them.
2: they going long enough to- become a habit right yes
0: it's lazy language guys that it's it's easy to say it just flows we don't have to think about it and we don't quite understand that it didn't come across right or the wrong thing to say
2: or even what it feels like i think is even the most important part like what did that customer just feel whether they recognize it or not like "Hmm, something's weird here this doesn't feel good might have just been a, a word that triggered something from 30 years ago in their past growing up. You never know.
3: Yeah, and we don't know the situation for when people walk through the door or on the phone for that matter. And most of the time, they're in a situation where this is the worst day that they're going to see maybe this month because we look at putting aside a lot of other things. I mean, A lot of people, the burden of Paying for car repairs is already enough for them to be anxious. And our service teams have to be extremely empathetic of that. And a lot of times when situations escalate, it's either because of the situation at hand and the and the concerns that the customers have, or that my boss, who I consider my mentor, to his point as well is there's a lot of times there's something else going on behind that person's anxious attitude or even some of their frustrations that they're basically sprawling all over the front room of your shop, there's something else going on. And sometimes we have to be counselors or just an ear to listen. And some of the younger service team members, to Chris's point, don't always understand that. But that is something that is even though we see these types of situations every day from the service counter, we have to remind ourselves to continuously be empathetic of the situation in front of us because it's routine for our service teams. It's not routine for the client that's walking through your door.
0: Boy, do I totally love where this is going. I mean, there's so, so many wonderful uh, ripe cherries in this episode to the point where we're talking about language. We're talking about having confidence. We're talking about hearing ourselves. We're hearing about presenting It reminds me of the power of Toastmasters, Chris. And so this is a wonderful opportunity to tell the world that there is a remarkable results Toastmaster, U.S. sanctioned Toastmasters group that we have created along with Chris for the automotive aftermarket for leaders like all of us, service advisors, Chris. Take it away.
1: And I want to say two things about that. One, we don't just
0: make toast.
1: And two, we don't just make toasts. What we do is we practice communicating and effective communication. It's funny because a lot of people think, well, I can talk. So therefore I'm an effective communicator. Well, there's an art to everything that we do. I remember going to South Carolina, visiting a shop owner. He goes, Hey, Chris, you drive go-karts. And I said, I'm a kid inside. I drive go-karts. He goes, well, these go 50, 60 miles an hour. So we got on the track, I'm spinning out everywhere. And he goes, Chris, are you using your brakes? And I'm like, no. And he goes, Chris, you got to follow my line. Use the brakes. And I'm like wow, you just ruined go karts for me because I just thought people got in them and drove them. I didn't realize there was this whole follow the line and there's ins and outs. And it's the same thing with communication, Karma. I went a little bit off track to get back on track. There's an art to communicating effectively. There's an art to presenting your idea and making sure that it's presented. And we do it at the counter every day, like John and Sean alluded to. And we do it with our employees as well. And I love what John said, right? First, seek to understand before being understood. Sometimes we have to understand our employees first and we have to listen more than we speak. And we have to ask those right questions. And what I like about Toastmasters is it prepares us. As we know, Carm, you're talking during this meeting. It's only one hour. And then you're getting feedback. And then you're giving feedback, which is all part of that effective communication loop. So if you haven't heard about Remarkable Results
0: Toastmasters, you should come join. Yes, Karim at Biz, And I'm on the edge of my seat being here with a master Toastmaster like Chris. Oh, what I have learned in the last three months is unbelievable. And when Chris is on those calls, I get so nervous because I just want to be so good.
1: I appreciate the karma. I just don't see that. I appreciate it. I've spent a lot of time, and I still say my ums and ahs and ahs, and I still jump track, but I appreciate that. It is
0: many, many years of practice, practice. And I'm trying to be very careful here because Chris will probably email me and says, listen, you have this many ums. But it's not a negative thing. It's a real positive thing. And that's what helps you realize that I didn't say, a i there. I just paused. And a lot of times you're just filling in, like throwing extra pepperoni on the pizza because you think it's going to make it better.
2: You know, I, uh, I was uh, actually just was a five or six Toastmaster sessions or meetings that I went to live right before COVID hit. I and mean, when COVID hit, they kind of closed up and I never went back to it. It was really awesome. Great group of people. And I think it's a great thing. So I'm gonna have to check that out for sure with you guys.
0: Come on down, Sean. We'll give you an invite to be a guest every other Thursday. No, first and Thursday, we do an afternoon and we also do an evening at seven. So guys, I wanted to talk about the slang. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure. You you no, know, absolutely, Bob, Bob. John, you guys work hard in this language conversion at your counters.
3: Absolutely. We spend a lot of time communicating with clients on a regular day or a regular basis. And the words, yeah, sure, okay, maybe, I'll try. Those are all open-ended, very casual. They're non-definitive words. And the more you add in absolutes to your communication, the crisper you are to the The client, the easier it is for them to understand what you're trying to communicate and the more confident you sound overall in the interaction. And that's a big part of it is is your clients are bringing those vehicles into you. They do not want to get through a conversation with you and at the end go, do they know what they're talking about? Or are they just, are they on Wikipedia looking up the description of this product and selling that to me from there? So absolutes. In everything that we communicate, it needs to be crisp. So. I think
2: that's awesome. You end up telling a customer, yeah, we'll try to get it done by the end of the day today instead of being straight with them. Like, you know what? We're going to do our best. It's really not likely. And if you can be straight up front, you don't have to actually go back and deal with the fact that you said you'll try and then you failed at it, right? It's kind of like uh, being straight with what's so, whether it be parts delivery times and how much work is actually in the back of the shop. It's okay to tell people you're busy and help them find a solution as soon as possible, as opposed to a five o'clock at the end of the day and say, you know what, we just didn't get it done. It's gonna be tomorrow. And it's like, oh, now you're causing that frustration at the end of the day. And what's that person feel like? Yeah, you know, take that into consideration. Always. Yeah. Super important.
1: I'm gonna throw school sports into here. And this is why it's important for our children to be part of sports, because typically, yes, sir, and no ma'am from your coaches. And they get it at a young age. And unfortunately, it's just disintegrated over time. Because I remember my coaches. It was yes, sir, no, sir. And if I I didn't. I was running till I puked. Now it's like, yeah, no. And they're like, all right, do a jumping jack, do a sit up. Now there are still coaches that very much believe in proper language, but my wife is a soccer coach and she makes them shake her hand and she makes them look in the eye and she makes them say, yes, ma'am. And if they don't, then she makes them run until they puke.
2: You, know, you just brought something up and I don't, I'm not recalling where it was from, but creating that action that you want to have happen. Like I go out and run, or I'm a runner. It definitely feels way better to be a runner than having to go out and run and looking for those opportunities in the shop to recognize when you can turn that action into an identity, right? Like I'm not just going to fix the car. I'm going out there to be a fixer or looking for those opportunities in your people where you can empower them, take action just by having them be, instead of help me with this, I need you to be a helper today be my helper or whatever the case is. And it really kind of starts to tie doing this to whatever it is that you want as far as action. Just starting to scratch the surface on this one. And I think it's somewhere to another place you can look in that communication with your team.
0: I totally love it. I'm a fixer or a wizard. I love those two. Thank
1: you. He started talking about affirmations and I think it's worth saying, when we talk about words, karma, we talk about meanings. And Sean mentions this earlier. I'm a huge believer in affirmations and affirming ourselves. And we tell this to our children all the time. We tell it their soccer mates. And, and I tell it to my employees, right? You are what you say you are. And unfortunately, in our heads, 90% of what we say is just negative. And when we're talking about words, if you think about your day and you write down all the negative thoughts that you have or negative phrases, like they way outnumber your positives. And, I, you know, Sean said this and, and a true believer, like I'm a great salesperson. You tell yourself that. Over and over again. And we tell this to the the girls on the field you're a great forward. You're a great striker. You're great at passing. You're because you are. They go, No, I'm not. Well, you are right? You're just going to make mistakes, but you are this thing that you believe you are. But unfortunately, life, as we get older, it tears us down and knocks us. So I, I want to bring that back up, Sean, because I'm a big believer in affirming ourselves. And it's not dumb because the yeah. world programs us to think negatively upon ourselves, unless we own this car or we own this house or we're hanging out with this person, we suck. No, right. we don't right? We actually have really good lives if we just affirm that we have good lives. Yeah.
2: And even more so now with all the social media and stuff out there, right? That, that negative talk that you just, it's right there on the screen. It's like, oh, great. You got something to compare yourself to. You know, something we just, uh, this came up two weeks ago at, uh, at our leadership team meeting. You know, some of those things that come across, I'm big on something comes up in a day that slows you down or really annoys you, get it down on paper, and save it for later so you can get back to what you're doing. My lead wizard says, you know what? I want one of those recording pens. I put it in my pocket. If I got something that goes off in my head, I'm just going to push the button. I'm going to pitch to the pen and then shut it off. And then I can go back and listen to it later. So tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. when we meet, we're going to see what comes out of these pens. Well, I think it's just something, you know what? Have fun with it. What kind of things actually go through our heads during the day while we're at work when somebody comes out and says, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Throw the hands up in the air like, are you kidding me? So uh, let's see what we get. Kind of help them shift the mindset, right?
0: What a great idea.
2: It's easier than writing it down.
0: Bring it to the meeting.
2: (laughs) And you still use a pen to do it. I thought it was brilliant.
0: That's why we call him a wizard. Wow. Let's keep going. This is too much fun acronyms. You know, let me see. My customer knows what a DVI is. I mean, Chris, you're an expert at this, but you know, I'd love to know what else maybe we could call it. It would be kind of neat, uh, something warm and fuzzy for the customer. QCs, QAs, DTCs. We have to slow down on that because if I walked into the doctor's office and he started rattling off acronyms, I would have thought that I had three days to live. I don't know, right?
1: acronyms too much. We talked about it last time, SMS, SMS, DMS, IDMS. What is the shop management system? What is a POS? What is in shop management system? Simple. Like there's too many. And I agree with you, Carm. It goes back to the simple terms like we were talking about with A tech, B tech, C tech. I just call them technicians right? And maybe we should just use the words, hey, we're doing a quality control, right? We're not doing a QC. We're do- we're going to go do quality control on your vehicle. I think acronyms do kill us. We use them because we feel comfortable with them. Makes us feel kind of smart. I once worked for Hughes Training and it was a government, we, we had a lot of different contracts to build flight simulators. And I had to build a database car online to be able to understand what all the acronyms were because everything was an acronym it comes. So we shouldn't do that to, the, to our clients because our clients deserve to know what we're actually doing, even though they may not totally understand, but I think they would appreciate the fact if we actually said these words versus the acronyms that we use. And because we just get used to it, right? Even something as simple as KPI, Karm, and I sit in, you know, I do trainings in the industry and I like giving back to people in the industry. And KPI, every once in a while, you come across somebody and they go, I don't know what it means. Now, the good thing is we have Google now, but but that's okay because you should ask questions, right? But just using it versus, hey, what kind of measurements do you use in your business and goals do you have in your business versus trying to sound super intelligent and confusing people? I think we just, that's all it does cause chaos and confusion.
3: Yeah, and I think normalizing some of the references, you talked about the DVI. At this day and age, I don't think it should be referenced as a DVI anymore. It's just an inspection or a vehicle health report. So whatever your your repair business decides to name it, but we should be far enough along in the industry that the fact that digital vehicle inspection continuously comes up, I think, we'd need to be past that. It just needs to be standardized in our industry. So let's get back to the fact that it is a true inspection and we're presenting facts now to our clients. We're not telling them over the phone, trying to get them, them to trust us. It's communicated directly through pictures, and it, there shouldn't be any question about what we're doing with that. So some of that stuff, some of those term, that terminology just needs to go away altogether because it needs to be standardized. We need to take a step forward with that. So
2: a lot of times those, those short little acronyms when you're talking about a customer definitely confuses them. Quality controller. We got your car in QC right now. Well, what's
0: that mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? Hey, my car's in QC. Where'd you take it? (laughs) Questions that go off in their head, like, hold on. Hey, my car's in QC and yours isn't.
2: (laughs) And one of the other things that that there with the can't and the don't, and the very similar words, but kind of discover when you tell a customer or a client or somebody you can't do something or I can't promise you, or you just simply, hey, I don't promise on a situation like this. You know, that the can't almost puts like an external kind of control on it. Like it shuts down that, that barrier externally where when you don't do something... It's like controlled by you. And it's that internal, external control kind of words. And we just started tapping into that with our team up in the front as well. And when I hear somebody say, hey, we can't do that. It's like, wait a second, we can. We just don't work on cars that are full of rust and the frame's ready to rot out. It's just a bottom line. The an external, I guess maybe there's different places where you can use it backwards where you need some kind of external reasoning not to or not to do something. But there's so much science behind language and terminology. I think we're really just scratching the surface in this episode. And there's so many rabbit holes we could go down these things just keep popping up. So I'm sharing.
0: You're right, Sean. I I appreciate what you said. There's so much more to talk about, but like I always say, listen to learn just one thing. If everybody wrote down all the great ideas that they're going to pull out of this, it may take a long time to make it work. So I recommend take two or three, sit down with your next business meeting or get ready to share this. Let your entire team listen to this. And then come back to you and say, did that make any sense to any of you? And then don't you tell, let them tell you. Instead of pushing it down, get it to pull itself in to the business and change how you do things. One thing that Bob and Chris talked about three years ago was invoice versus work order. Interesting.
1: Ooh, and I love what Bob had to say to this. It was one of those industry terms when he was talking about I believe in a restaurant, he was like, waiter, waiter, bring me the work order. Like we never say. So yeah, bring me the bill, bring me the invoice. That's what customers understand. Makes perfect sense. And this goes back to just simple language that people understand. Even ASC, uh, it's a great term if you have some, certificates on the wall. You have some things to back it up. You explain what an ASC is, then it gives meaning to it. And it's much better than a certified technician, right? That they're certified to some degree, that they have some education level. And here's some sort of, here's some things on the wall that shows that they're certified. We really don't care what what kind of doctor, a degree a doctor has. We just want to see the paper on the wall. We just know that they're doctored, which means they're degreed to some form or the other. But I love that, right? Yeah. Why say work
0: order when we could just say it's an invoice? Yeah, connotates work, connotates I have to pay for something. Well, so does an invoice, but work. Hmm, I think it's a hard word. (laughs) Anyway, let's wrap this up with one of the newest acronyms that we're going to have to be dealing with in the future. And maybe we can kind of wrap it up right now. AI, guys. I mean, come on, we're talking AI all the time. Chris, how are we going to deal with AI? AI not only is a phenomenon, and a database and a support thing, but a uh, check AI, check AI.
1: Yeah, we're hearing it more and more. Chat GPT, these things that are now alive and they're active and they're artificial and they're I just want to bring this point up because there's not one programmer sitting behind a desk, like laughing at, as you put in the question and he responds with the question, or that they this programmer wrote the response, right? It's all about huge data models, right? And informations and in just these huge, huge, huge And when I talk huge data models, Carm, I'm talking trillions of quintillion of records of data. And if you have these big data sets, it's like you seeing a dog. How many times have you seen a dog? You've seen it a billion times. And if somebody tried to tell you it was a cat, you would say, nope, I know what a dog looks like. I know the difference between a dog and a cat because you've seen the tail end, you've seen the leg, you've seen the the different aspects of the cat versus the dog. Now. If you tell a kid that's only seen a dog 10 times and then they see a cat and you say dog and you say dog and you tell them that the dog is a cat 10 times or the cat's a dog 10 times, then the kid says, oh, dog. And that's what AI, really a lot of it is about right now, these big data models and the understanding these models can be manipulated. They're not always correct. And then you do have program and all this other stuff that understands how to interpret the data and how to give it back to other people. So just understand, right? I've heard it before, the programmer, and it's like, no, it's more about this big data lake or this big amount of data that tells you this thing is the truth or real to some degree versus, once again, one machine that's smart because it's some lines of code. Uh, it's a lot of things, actually. AI is made up of a lot of different disciplines.
0: Guy's opinions on that?
2: Yeah, I could say the one thing that I would look at is, yeah, it's definitely programming people's thoughts out there too, right? Like the more this stuff comes across the screen in front of you, in front of your children, I think this is even more important for us to recognize that we're able to program ourselves. We don't know what we don't know. As Yoda behind me there would say, you, you must unlearn what you have learned. And uh, sometimes that kind of uh, intentionality behind who you are and a discovery that you're willing to do on yourself and on whatever goes on inside your brain, recognize that you'll never be able to be programmed unless you allow it. And uh, I don't think AI is going to come out and start fixing cars anytime soon. So.
0: so let me ask John, let me, John, any of your technicians ever go to AI to maybe find a quick fix?
3: So we haven't done that, but what we have started playing with just out of curiosity is testing procedures and then asking chat GPT the same question about specific issues and seeing if they're coming up with something similar and we're still a ways away so to sean's point they're not fixing cars and they're not even telling us how to fix cars yet so but it just out of curiosity we started playing with it and not close so we're safe
0: and i would refrain from telling our customer (laughs) we use some ai we solved your problem in half the time Not even want to go there. Matt Fonzo has done at least one podcast on this and had an interesting, I think in his rant that he did about going on in the industry, he covered. This was great. I think Bob would be proud of us, Chris, that we covered this in a such a different way, but a good way. And I think hopefully we can get our listener to say, you know what? I got to step to the plate, change my mindset, get a better language set going and embrace the professionalism. I mean, we are one hell of a professional industry. Think of the investment we have in training and in time and the benefits for our people, our buildings, our equipment. I don't know, more than probably more than an operating room we have invested. And we're fixing cars with our wizards. Love that. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Chris Cloutier, a Golden Rule Auto Care software genius from motoflow.com, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, he's a pretty smart guy.
1: I would like to live with or leave this last parting comment as my parting comment. It's Proverbs 18:21. I'm quoting the Bible, Carm. Yes. Words kill, words give life.
0: They're either poison or fruit. Your choice, love it. That's a perfect ending. Thank you for your final comment, Sean Gilfillan, CEO, Automotive Magic, Kenville, New Jersey. Your final? You
2: know, I think just uh, looking at how we speak to each other internally in our teams and to our uh, our client, it's something that most people don't even think about taking on or even looking at. So just uh, you know, take a couple minutes and listen to some phone calls and work with your staff to to become better at communicating. It's important. And it. Really positive, negative, whether it's high intensity, low intensity type of communication, you really got to be able to meet somebody where they're at to have it be effective.
0: I love that. Find the nested words and discuss them. John Kloosterman, Director of Operations, Westside Auto Group, Zeeland, Michigan. Final word, man.
3: I would just say that the, to keep in mind that the level of professionalism in your organization is going to be dictated by the words that you use on an everyday basis, whether that be internally or externally with your team members. So that's something that our teams need to consistently keep in mind as they go through their everyday interactions, internal and external.
0: Wow, John, thank you so much. I had a blast. So much learning, so much education here. So look, I'm sure you learned something. I'm positive you did. Now go do something with it. Thanks.
3: Appreciate it,
0: Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time.